Good morning, audience, and welcome. My name is Brian Theophilus, and I want to welcome you to today's installment of an amazing television show that has taken the Roman Empire by storm. Who wants to be a disciple? Yes, uh, we're going to meet our first contestant today. We'd like to invite up to the stage a man that, that you may know, but probably not. So let's have him come on up and meet him right now as he gets out his script. And here he is. Welcome. What's your name, sir? My name is Simon Rock. Simon Rock. Awesome name. Rock and roll. Simon Rock, what do you do for a living? I am a fisherman. Fisherman, that's a good Minnesotan type of entertainment here, I tell you. I wish we could all do that all the time. Simon Rock, do you have somebody in the audience today that's special to you that we might like to introduce to everybody? Well, actually, I do. I am delighted to have with me this morning my mother-in-law sitting right over here. Wave your hand, Mom. Thank you. Wow. Oh, okay. yes. We're oh. so delighted. <laughs> Welcome. Hi, yes. Mom. Yes. My mother-in-law, who, uh, it's just, actually, it's really a miracle that she's here with us today, so very grateful. You know, she was desperately sick, but she was healed, and here she is with me today. Let's just give her a hand, folks. What a miracle story right among us. Thank you, Simon, for bringing your mother-in-law. Well, here's the rule, Simon. By successfully answering a series of two questions, you can win the grand prize on our show eternal life. However, should you give the wrong answers to any of the questions, you could lose everything, and I mean everything. As you know, you have three lifelines, 50-50. Pull the audience or talk to your friend at your disposal. Simon, my friend, are you ready? I'm ready. Well, let me tell you something. These questions are of utmost importance, and in fact, there's only two of them today. Are you ready? Take your time. Talk out your answers. And, of course, the Holy Spirit is here, too, praying that you will give the right answer. Here we go. Are you ready, audience? Okay, we're on board. Let's play Who Wants to Be a Disciple? Yeah, okay. All right. Let's click the first question right up there. Thank you very much, Jing. The question number one is, who is Jesus? A, a prophet. Be a teacher, see the Messiah. Take it away, Simon. So, is this question what best fits title for him, or is what, yeah? Oh, all right. Well, the best answer, Simon. All right, right. Well, I don't know. Hmm. He certainly acts like a prophet. I mean, just think. Like, when he's around, people raise up from the dead. There's deliverances, there's healings, there's calming the sea. Not to mention, I don't know if you heard about that loaves and fishes thing that he did. I mean, this man certainly seems to be right along in the tradition of Elisha and Elijah and Moses. He certainly could be. But then, have you ever heard him teach? It's incredible. He doesn't teach like anybody else that I've ever listened to. I mean, I heard him 
people call it the Sermon on the Mount, but really it was on a level plane, and so it really was Sermon on the Level, and it certainly leveled me. <coughs> He's quite a teacher, and yet somehow it doesn't seem like either of those answers fully describe who he is. I mean, Mary, his mom, she told us about this visit from an angel before he was even born and said some things about who he was going to be. And man, and then there was, well, there was his own words when the first time he went into the, into the synagogue and he unrolled the scroll in Isaiah and he began to speak about that the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor and to bring captives out of bondage and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and all the and, and that anointing, that, that's that same word for Messiah. Wow. In fact, it was that time he was talking to the Samaritan woman at the well and she said, I, you know, I know that the Messiah called Christ is coming and when he comes, he'll explain everything to us. And then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. I don't know that it's getting much clearer than that. Wow, I don't know. I don't know, uh, Mr. Theophilus over here. Well, let me tell you, Simon, you've got a couple options here. All right. Or you could tap into polling the audience, 50-50, three lifelines. What do you think? You want to tap into one of those resources as you're thinking this through? You know what? I think I'm going to poll the audience this morning. Poll so. the audience. Okay, folks, get ready. So, uh, audience, uh, now you've got to help me because this isn't just an answer. This is the very best answer. So, how many of you would say the best answer here is a prophet? All right, how many of you would say a teacher? How many of you would say the Messiah? Whoa, well, okay. I think we probably have a pretty good representation here. So, Brian, I'm going to go with C, the Messiah. The Messiah. Wow. Okay, Simon, we've got an audience that agrees with you almost 100%, but I've got to tell you, you get these answers wrong and you lose everything. Simon, are you sure that you want to put all of your, uh, I was going to say bet, but we don't say that in church. Are you going to put all your, um, uh, are you going to put all your eggs in one basket? Thank you. And say the Messiah. Is it, do you think that's the right answer? Is this I think that's the right answer. I'm going with that. That's my final answer. Ah, Simon, you are right. <laughs> Let's give him a hand, everybody. You've correctly answered the first of our two questions. Halfway home. And here's the second question. What does he require of me? A, nothing. Be something, see everything. Oh, man. Well, Mr. Theophilus, this is a tough one, too. You know, there's been a lot of crowds that have been following after Jesus, and 
Boy, just by looking at their words and their actions, a lot of them, I think, would answer A, nothing. But that, that just that doesn't seem to me right at all. So, something. Now, that sounds like a pretty balanced approach to me. I always like, you know, you can always tell a well-balanced man because his bubble is in the middle. Well... I like that balance. So maybe he wants just some of my time and some of my talents and some of my treasures and some of my hopes and dreams and some of my commitment. And after all, would he really, really be asking me to be radical and give everything? I don't know. I think I'm going to have to talk to a friend. I'm going to talk to, to Dr. Luke this morning. Okay. And uh, Dr. Luke, uh, I'm going to ring you up here on my uh, prehistoric uh, cell phone. All right, right here, my dumb phone. All right. So, Dr. Luke, um, I'm here playing Who Wants to Be a Disciple, and I need some help. The question that's being asked is, what does Jesus require of me? And uh, I need some help. The possibilities are A, nothing, B, something, C, everything. Now, did you ever hear him or hear about him saying something that would help me answer this question? Dr. Luke, give me some help. All right. Yes, in fact, he did say something. He said... To them all, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit his very self? I hope that helps. Oh, man. Well, that does give us some help. Hmm. Deny myself. I guess it sounds like I'm not able to be at the center of the universe anymore. Take up my cross daily? Well, you know, I've seen some Roman crucifixions, and those are truly horrific. But it sounds like he's saying I need to die to my own things every day and follow him? For whoever loses his life will save it. Sounds like he's looking for me to be all in. A fully devoted follower. Well, Theophilus, I think I'm going to hear the words of my friend Dr. Luke this morning. And I'm going to, you know, as hard as it might feel and seem, I'm going to have to answer C. He's requiring everything. Okay, thank you, Dr. Luke. Let's give him a hand. Thanks for your input. Reaching across the centuries, wisdom, but Simon Rock, this is your final chance. Is this your final answer to this question? This is my final answer. Everything. Simon Rock. You are right! You get the eternal prize of eternal life. 
Congratulations. Well done. Just one byline in the contract for the show. Correct answers, eternal life is a prize, but now go and give the answers away to everyone you meet so that they too can have the prize, eternal life. Amen. All right. Thank you, Brian Theophilus, this morning. All right. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All right. For those of you that don't know who that fine host was here, this is Brian Doty, our missionary from Indonesia and Philippines and currently in the foreign country of Madison, Wisconsin. All right. Good. Well, we are in the fourth week of our ongoing series entitled a rock, which uh, is the Hebrew word for to lay a foundation, to set in order, and to prepare for battle. What we're doing over these weeks together is we are taking this time to reestablish our identity, who we are called to be so that we will continue to re-engage our destiny, what we are called to do. We understand and recognize that our calling here is to be a house of prayer for all nations. And we know that we are called to reach out to the nations, and that is what we've been doing over these uh, many, many years of our life together. That's what we are uh, continuing to do, even as you heard this morning, as we continue to press out and press in to what God has for us. Now, to help us kind of settle down into that, to really grab hold of that identity and that destiny, we have some foundational principles and values which help inform our life together. The first of those foundational principles and values is that we will stand for truth. Our statement of faith is the living expression of the doctrinal foundations upon which we stand. Our second foundational principle is that we establish our unity in our Christ-centered vision. We experience unity in the midst of diversity as we are fitted together in Christ. Thirdly, we will depend on God in prayer. We understand that our life and vitality as a congregation is dependent upon prayer. And finally... We will make disciples. I shouldn't say finally, but for this morning, our fourth principle is we will make disciples where true discipleship is both knowledge-based and relationship-oriented. Now, just a moment ago, we heard Dr. Luke speak to us out of his gospel in Luke 9, verses 23 to 25. Let me read it for us again because it really informs this concept of being fully devoted followers. He said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self?
Jesus is looking for disciples who are all in. Who are all in. So this morning I want to just take a few brief moments with us to unpack what does it mean to be a fully devoted follower of God. How do we, how do we understand discipleship? What is it that when we're being called, and it says as a congregation we're called to make disciples, what is being made in us and what is it that we are continuing to spread to those around us? Well, as we said, discipleship is both knowledge-based and relationship-oriented. Now, here are the characteristics of a fully devoted follower of Christ. We're going to be looking at six characteristics briefly on each of them. The first characteristic of a fully devoted follower of Christ is that a fully devoted follower of Christ has intimacy with God. One of my favorite scriptures is out of Hebrews chapter 10. This was all the way back when I was a very young person. This was a scripture that just grabbed hold of me and has never left me throughout my life. It says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us, through the curtain, that is, His body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. That particular phrase, in fact, I think this Scripture, if I remember back, was the first scripture that I ever preached a message on here in this house on a Sunday evening back when I was an intern or a, you know, an apprentice in, intern uh, from Bethel Seminary here in this congregation. I preached on this passage. And what has always captivated me is this phrase. And I want to encourage you to highlight it in your Bible or in your mind or in your notes this morning. Let us draw near to God. That embedded in that is an incredible privilege that we get to draw near to Him with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith. That full assurance that faith brings to us We get to press in to Him, having had our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. I'm so grateful, Peterson, for the songs you chose for today. So many of them speaking about that. Out of shame and into His marvelous light, into the truth and the reality. The reality is you and I are invited to draw near to the living God who created the whole universe just doesn't get better than that. So the takeaway that I want us to take away this morning is this. Discipleship begins and is sustained through an intimate relationship with a living, loving God. Discipleship first has that vertical, it's, it's, we are disciples of His. It begins with a relationship with Him It is sustained by a relationship with Him. And at the end of the day, it will finish with an intimate relationship with Him because He is the author and finisher of our faith. He is at the beginning. 
He is at the end, and he's all the way in between. Secondly, characteristic of a disciple is healthy relationships. Healthy relationships. So, we talk about discipleship not only being knowledge-based, but relationship-oriented. You can name the 66 books of the Bible, and you can name all of the 12 tribes of Israel, and you can know all of these other Bible trivia facts or whatever. Not that those are trivia, but I mean, you can know all the Bible trivia you can know. And if it doesn't somehow transform the way you live your life in relationship with other people, it's substantially missing something. Healthy relationships. How do I treat... My spouse, my children, my co-workers, my boss, my employees, my fellow students, my teachers, my friends, my neighbors. 1 John 4, the apostle of love says this, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Can we read together? Would you read with me that last sentence? No one, starting with no one has ever seen God. Read it with me. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God... Amen. So, the takeaway here is right embedded there. Go ahead, put it up. Discipleship can only fully develop in the context of community. As we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. You know, we live in a day and age and in a culture which is highly individualistic, consumeristic, materialistic, all the other things, but that individualism often leads people, and I hear this from people who are very well-meaning in their sentiment, and they say, you know, I love Jesus, I'm a follower of Jesus, I just, I just don't want to be a part of the church. I, I just, I can't, you know, I, me and Jesus, we're doing our thing together. Okay? And my response to that is, um, have you by any chance, where's my Bible? Have you, have you by any chance read this? Because if you're going to actually follow Christ, you're going to love what he loves and tells me here that he loves his church. He loves his church and he loves his people and he calls us and he says, don't, 
Because some give up in the habit of meeting together, but as some are doing. But all the more as you see the day approaching. Continuing to build in community. So discipleship doesn't happen in a vacuum off on some, uh, you know, cabin in the mountain away from everyone. It's in the down and dirty of everyday real life with real people. You can't do it any other way. Okay? Healthy relationships. Number three, values shaped by the word. Values shaped by the word. Now, we hit on this a lot more earlier in the first foundational principle, so I'm not going to take much time here, and I encourage you to go ahead and uh, pick up a CD in the back uh, or PowerPoint or go on the website to download the message on um, the, the first message that we did, which was, we will stand for truth. That'll, that'll tell you some more about how we frame that here. But let me just remind you of a scripture that we've been using many times over the last uh, year or better, and that's from Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Now listen to verse 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. There is an ongoing process which discipleship does. Discipleship leads us out of conforming to the value system of whatever earthly culture we find ourselves in and leads us into a process of transformation where we begin to embrace and embody the values of kingdom culture. That's a whole lot of words. Okay? Let me break it down. Instead of conforming to the value system of the culture around us, there is a transformation process which happens from the inside out, from the mindsets changing within us, from us being saturated in the truth of God's Word, which remember, God's Word is, and His truth is right, and it is relevant, and it is real, and it is relational, it is all of those things. God's truth begins to transform us so that, in order that, we begin to take on, we begin to embrace and live out kingdom culture values. All right. Number four. So, for those of you who need to know this, you're now, we're over the hump. We're moving towards home. Okay? Number four, stewardship of time, talents, and treasures. Go with me to Matthew chapter 25 for a moment. Matthew 25. Starting in verse 14. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, and to another one talent, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey, and the man who had received the five talents went at once, put his money to work, and gained five more. So also the one with the two talents gained two more, and the man who had received the talent, one talent, went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned, settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five talents brought the other five 
Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with the two talents also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received the one talent came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you've not sown and gathering where you've not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. And his master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I've not sown, gather where I've not scattered seed. Well then... You should have put my money on deposit with the banker so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Take the talent from him, give it to the one who has the ten talents, for anyone who has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. And whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Here's the reality about discipleship. That discipleship recognizes that everyone has been entrusted with resources to invest into kingdom priorities and purposes. Everybody's got the same 24-hour day. Okay? We all have a variety of different talents. We've all been entrusted with Varying amount of treasures. The question that a disciple asks is, what must I do to steward that which God has given to me? How do I steward the time and the talent and the treasures that have been entrusted to me? You have been entrusted with things to steward. Discipleship recognizes everyone has been entrusted with resources, and they are entrusted for the purpose of investment. Because the investment receives the eternal rewards. All right, knowledge of gift mix and use of them in ministry is number five. Knowledge of gift mix and use of them in Ministry. Now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time here either because next week we'll be looking at the foundational principle that encompasses this. It says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. As faithful stewards of God's grace, there's that word stewardship again in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves... They should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and power forever and ever. Amen. So disciples use their speaking and their serving gifts faithfully and fruitfully, fulfilling God's call in our lives and bringing glory to him. Disciples use the speaking and serving gifts that they've been given. This was the whole sermon series we did on praxis, on function. Go back to that and rediscover again what gifts that you have been given, kind of the motivational gift, the way God's made you, and begin to faithfully and fruitfully fulfill God's call in your life, bringing glory to Him by stewarding, using 
those things that he has given to you. This is discipleship. Discipleship is not being a pew potato sitting back and letting everyone else do the work, but what has God called you to do to invest? And then finally, number six, sharing Christ through word and deed. The final characteristic, Matthew Matthew 28, you know it. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Disciples hear and heed the command to multiply by making other fully devoted followers of Christ in all peoples. So there is an invitation for us as disciples to hear and heed His command, to multiply, to make other fully devoted followers of Christ. So so the life that is in us must be given away to others. A disciple that is not doing that is missing what it means to be a fully devoted follower of Christ. It doesn't mean everyone will be an evangelist. It does mean that everyone will be a witness to the goodness and greatness and grace of God. We want to hear and heed that command. So let's summarize. Being fully devoted followers, we will make disciples. True discipleship is both knowledge-based and relationship-oriented. What does that mean? It means intimacy with God. It means healthy relationships. It means values shaped by the Word. It means stewarding time, talents, and treasures. It means taking knowledge of our gift mix, using them in ministry and sharing Christ through word and deed. 2 Timothy 2.2, key scripture around discipleship. Paul says to Timothy, and the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses and trust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Right there, is four generations. Paul to Timothy, Timothy to those who will be entrusted to tell and teach others. That's four generations. Right then, right there. Let me tell you a story as we close. This is from the 1800s. Edward Kimball was committed to reaching every lost youth in his Sunday school class. He was particularly burdened for one backward fellow, fresh from the farmlands, who had begun working in a nearby shoe shop. One day, Kimball went to the shop and in the back room persuaded the young man to accept Christ as his personal Savior. When describing the youth, Kimball said, I have seen few persons whose minds were spiritually darker 
when he came into my Sunday school class, or one who seemed more unlikely ever to become a Christian of clearly decided views, still less to fill any sphere of extended public usefulness. But the young man, Dwight L. Moody, went on to become known as a pioneer in modern techniques of mass evangelism and as a spirit-anointed preacher whose message touched millions in North America and Europe. Now, actually, it was during Moody's Crusades in England when Kimball's chain of spiritual multiplication was mightily carried forward. More than one English pastor rejected the fiery visitor's approach to evangelism. One of them, the Reverend F.B. Meyer, was not taken at all with the crudeness of the unlettered, blunt evangelist. Yet even his heart melted when he heard two ladies, both Sunday school teachers in his own church, tell how they'd been influenced by Moody's commitment to win all of the members of his own Sunday school class to Christ. So those two women did reach out, reach all the members in their classes. Renewed by the Holy Spirit through the commitment of these women, Meyer joined in Moody's evangelistic meetings with wholehearted enthusiasm. Now Moody later invited Meyer to the United States, and among those reached by Meyer's Bible teaching ministry was a struggling young preacher named J. Wilbur Chapman, whose approach was so transformed that he too went into an evangelistic ministry. Though he was used by God all over the world in bringing people to Christ, it was Chapman's own crusade advance man, a former clerk in the Young Men's Christian Association, who was to carry on Kimball's chain of multiplication. His name was Billy Sunday. Sunday preached across North America with spectacular results. His crusade in Charlotte, North Carolina, produced some converts who organized a prayer group that met for years, praying that God would continue the ministry of evangelism through the people of Charlotte. This group of praying men was led by the Holy Spirit to plan a citywide crusade. They invited Mordecai Ham, the cowboy evangelist, to speak, And during one meeting, some teenagers were among those reached for Christ, and they included a young man named Billy Graham. So only heaven will reveal the actual number of people reached the chain of multiplying disciples as a result of Edward Kimball's humble efforts in the 1800s in his local church. A one man reached Dwight Moody, who reached Nyan and on. And the million, you know, the multiplication. Discipleship is multiplication. Not addition, multiplication. It's the two, 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 and on it goes. So my invitation to us today is very simple. It's an invitation to become a disciple and to become a discipler. In your bulletin, there's practical ways through the pathway discipleship. I mean, we have these opportunities through life path courses, like the one going on right now that Eric's teaching on a life of joy. There's the ongoing, uh, there's connect groups where people connect with one another to deepen, to grow, and to take it out into there. And there's the mosaic groups that are intentionally, you heard about this testimony of that this morning. There are all of these opportunities and many more that you have carrying in your heart to reach the nation. This is his invitation to us today. This is my invitation to you, is to join us in making disciples for the kingdom. Could you stand, please? We're going to sing a song we haven't sung in a long time, but I think it 
kind of captures what I've been sharing this morning. And if, you know, something, God's just spoken something into your spirit today and you want to, uh, you know, you want, you want to take a, a deliberate step of response, I'm just going to hold up, you know, the altar is wide open here. If you just want to come and say, yeah, I want to be part of that making disciples today. I want to be a part of what he's doing. I know that I need to re-engage. I recognize that those characteristics of a fully devoted follower don't fully describe my life. But it is the cry of my heart today because I do want to turn to him and serve him and follow him all the days. So whatever it is, if you just want to come and then after we sing this, I'll give a benediction prayer. But if you just want to come, step out. Be a follower. Join me. I'm right here, front of the line. Can we just open our hands? Thank you, Lord. Jesus, thank you that this is not human work that we're doing. Thank you that this is the work of the Spirit in us. So we receive the help of the, the comforter, the the truth bringer, the convictor and the helper who strengthens us in our times of need. Continue to work your will and purpose in us as your disciples, Lord Jesus, here in this house. Today and all days, Lord, we want to follow you, pursue your heart every day, forever. So I pray that you may now be filled afresh even this day with the immeasurable love of God the Father and the irresistible mercy and grace of Jesus Christ the Son with the inexhaustible strength and power, comfort and hope of the Holy Spirit be with you and yours. That you may go from this house to yours, sent to make disciples of all nations. Go with the banner of His favor over your life. And until we gather again either in this house or in our eternal home, May his love and mercy and goodness chase you down every day of your life. Go in his grace. In Jesus' name, amen.